The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, January 2nd show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in and I will keep you informed. I hope all of you had a great New Year's Day. I wish wish each of you a happy, prosperous, fun-filled, joyful, and financially successful New Year. That is what the show is about. It's about your money and being in the best financial position that you can. If you're hearing my show at a different day or time, you're listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. You can call at 1-855-411-50. Again, 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And my lineup for the show today, I have Frank Savali with the Cascade team buying and selling a business in today's market. Also in studio, I have Barry Bergner with uh, Real Logics, Sotheby's International Realty, relocating and purchasing real estate in our Seattle area. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topics or topics you'd like to hear on future shows, please call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411.50, or you can go online to themoneyhour.com. And let us, let's start out the show, as always, with a little money chat. Money. Money. Well, for the new year, make April a little merrier by preparing for tax time today. The federal government estimates that 60% of individuals use paid preparers to complete and submit their tax returns. If you are one of these people, it's important that you get started right away so you have a successful tax return experience, which is a good thing for all of us. We want uh, the IRS to be good to us, so we need to be prepared for them. So here's a list of things. Choose a preparer. If you don't have a tax uh, CPA, licensed CPA or accountant, now's the time to find one. You can find a great source um, to assist you by visiting the show site at themoneyhour.com for one of my show experts in that arena. Also, if you have any friends that have gone through the process uh, before, that might be a good way to get a recommendation as well. Be sure that the person that you choose has a preparer tax ID number or PTIN showing that he or she is authorized to prepare federal income tax returns. Also, inquire about fees, which likely will depend on the complexity of your your tax returns. Now, steer clear of anyone taking a percentage of your refund. The IRS has other good tips to choose a tax preparer, including a link to the IRS directly, directly, and you can search according to the qualifications that you're looking for. 
Next, go ahead and schedule your appointment. The sooner you meet with your preparer, the sooner you can begin the process. Even if you get an extension, uh, I would discuss it, that, you know, get that done ahead of time. And if you wait too long to schedule an appointment, you may not be able to get in to see your tax uh, preparer until uh, April, which would be a little bit late in the process. So uh, get in there and get that appointment scheduled. Now, gather your information by the end of January, or actually probably be on uh, February 2nd because the end of January is Sunday uh, you should have received various types of information that you need for each form verify that the information matches your own tax for your own returns and here's, here's some common forms um, this is not a complete list the IRS has information on many other types of forms that you may need but uh, W-2 if you're employed uh, form SSA 1090 if you receive Social Security benefits there's a variety of 1099s to report income such as uh, cancellation of debt, dividends, interest, uh, non-employee non compensation paid by independent contractors. Uh, note form 1099B, which reports gains and losses on security transactions, is not due until February 16th of 2016. Now, new form uh, 1095A to report information for the government marketplace for which you purchased health coverage. Uh, varies of 1098s, uh, reporting mortgage interest, student loan interest, and tuition payments. Form W2Gs for certain gambling win winnings, if you had any gambling winning winnings. Uh, schedule K1s for entities in which you have ownership, interest, corporation partnerships, limited liabilities, companies, trust, or estates. Now, note you may not have received those yet. Uh, they come in late September 2000 and for late September 15th, 2016 for the uh, K1s. Now, gather your receipts. Uh, which ones do you need depends on whether you choose to itemize your personal deductions instead of claiming the standard deduction. You can choose to itemize if uh, you produce a greater write-off. Unfortunately, the only way to know for sure is to determine the amount that you itemize deductions and compare them uh, with your standard deduction amounts. So you want to make sure that you're uh, paying the least amount of taxes or getting the most uh, money back that you can. So uh, take a look at both options. Now for itemizing, uh, getting receipts together now by whatever system Hopefully you've got a great system in place to help you throughout the years and the variety of deduction expenses. So look for the receipts for medical costs not covered by insurance or reimbursement by any other health plan, uh, flexible spending account or health savings account, property taxes, job-related and investment-related expenses are just a, a few listed there. Now, if you have business income and expenses to report on a Schedule C, you'll need to share your books and records, so your QuickBooks or any accounting system receipts for expenses, banks, and credit card statements. Statements. The more organized that you can be, the less time it will take your preparer, which translates into lower fees for his or her services. Uh, next, brace yourself for tax law changes. So you don't have to become a tax expert, but it helps to know about the tax rules so that you won't be uh, caught off guard. The individual health care mandate brought into SLU a lot of changes, including new forms and claiming for the premium tax credit for eligibility individuals who purchased covered throughout the government marketplace exchange and for figuring the shared responsibility payment for those who fail to carry coverage and do 
do not qualify for the exemption. Now, next, you want to make a list of your personal information. So probably know your social security number, but you don't know the number for each dependent you claim. Uh, Jot down this information, uh, addresses, vacation homes, rental properties, dates you moved, information about property that you bought and sold, including dates, uh, what you originally paid, what you received on the sale and expenses that you had uh, need to be completed for your return. Now, just a couple other things I want to go over here. Uh, Decide whether to ask for filing an extension. So if you need more time to complete all of the tasks, you can request for filing an extension to October 15th, 2016. Now, this will avoid any late Uh, filing penalties, but be sure to pay what you think you'll owe to minimize or avoid any late payment penalties. There's no extension beyond April for the paying uh, of the taxes that are due. Decide what to do about your refund. If you expect a refund, you have several options on what you want the government to do. Apply some or all of it to a refund uh, tax bill on on your return. The fund will be used for estimated taxes, reducing or eliminating the first installment of your uh, estimated taxes. Uh, You can send your check or uh, directly contribute some or all of your refund to certain types of accounts like your IRA, health savings account, education savings uh, accounts, or to buy U.S savings bonds through the Treasury Direct. So you can split your refund among the direct uh, deposit choices by completing the Form 8888. You'll want to tell your tax return preparer what you need to do, uh, what you want to do. And if you want the refunds used for your 2015 purposes, you want to use the refund to make a deduct, uh, deductible IRA contribution for 2015. You'll need to inform the institution about the right year uh, in which you should apply that payment. So find a copy of your last year's tax returns. If you use the same preparer, they'll most likely have those. If not, you'll want to uh, locate those and make sure that you're comparing uh, things that you had from last year, Uh, maybe payers of interest and dividends. If you receive this income last year, look for the 1099s for this year, unless you've sold stock, closed bank accounts, or made other investment changes to the account for getting your 1099 for this year. Also, Also, charities, if you make small gifts, you may not have received the acknowledgement from the organization, but you can still still deduct your gift as long as you have the canceled check or other proof. So see last year's returns of the list of organizations that you donated uh, to. Bottom line, just start early doing the prep work for your income tax so that you'll have a successful tax return experience. And ideally, you'll have been gathering all of this information throughout the year. And that's the money chat today. A little bit more because we're talking about the IRS and how to prepare for it. So I want to make sure you guys have a list uh, there to get prepared and started early. Coming up next in the Money Hour, are you considering buying or selling a business? Frank Civilly with the Cascade team right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman to save money. We need a new stuntman. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. 
We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. This is the Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to the Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, January 2nd show. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your financing. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive by listening to my show. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. You can uh, ask any questions, get connected with the guests that I have in studio, or I'm always, I uh, love to hear from my listeners on topics that you want me to bring into studio. And right now in studio, I'm going to have a conversation with Frank Civilly with the Cascade team. Everything you need to know about buying or selling a business in today's market. And I've uh, had my show for five years and I was actually looking back and this is the, the first time that I've actually had a conversation regarding to buying and selling uh, a business. I'm really excited. Uh, Frank, to have a conversation with you. Thanks for joining me in studio. Thank you. And a little bit about Frank. Frank is a retired Air Force officer, MS, MBA, and university professor. He is a past president of two publicly traded companies and previously owned a retail franchise. In 2003, Frank partnered with his wife, Lisa, to enter into the profession of business brokering on a full-time basis. In April of 2004, they affiliated with Business Broker Network. Their company, the Dove Group LLC, was based in Tucson, Arizona. As owners of the Dove Group, they were were in charge of all aspects of the business and brokerage services for the company. Then in spring of 2007, Frank and Lisa joined a brokerage franchise to expand the company's operations across the Southwest, Re- Southwest region and to provide professional brokerage services to business clients in the state of Arizona, New Mexico, and Western Texas regions. Now in 2012, they moved here to our great Seattle area and joined the Cascade team where Frank now practices as a business and commercial brokerage with Cascade, broker with Cascade. His diverse brokerage teaching and business coaching background affords him the opportunity to assist buyers and sellers in virtually all market segments. Again, right now we're going to be discussing uh, purchasing or selling um, businesses. So Frank, what type of businesses do you typically represent? 
Well, we can typically represent virtually any business as long as it's a truly viable business, meaning that it's been profitable for more than you know three to five years. And with that said, it's, it's literally any type of business, manufacturing, distribution, retail and service companies, even professional companies like CPA firms and dental and medical clinics. Uh, for example, one of my current listings is a painting company down in Tacoma. Uh, they have 20 years of service and profitability. And I'm also representing two franchises. One is a, uh, a small mobile um, detailing franchise, and the other is a medical-related franchise. So, it, it, the, you know, we run the gamut. We can do just about anything uh, from, from representation of a business, whether it's from a buyer's side or a seller's side. So, Frank, what is the most important aspect of selling and buying or buying a business? Well, knowing the true value of the business mm-hmm. is the most important aspect. Most people or most owners really don't know what their business is worth. For example, I had one recently where the owner thought his business was worth about $100,000 and would have been very happy to sell it for that. Uh-huh. After working with him a short period of time, we uh, derived that the business was really worth about two fifty. Uh, we put it on the market at wow. two, 250 and sold it for 225 That's pretty exciting. So, very happy. Uh, both of us were happy, and it worked out very well for him, and it uh-huh. worked out for the buyer. And I'm still working with the buyer now on a consulting basis to improve those profits even more. Yeah, I bet it's a totally different arena when talking about businesses versus our residential real estate when you're uh, looking at comps and things. So what is a primary reason for selling or buying a business? Well, from the selling side, it's usually retirement or something changes within the family. Uh, Maybe the owner's just uh, tired of doing what they're doing day to day and wants to try a new venture. And, and sometimes it's illness, illness-related, uh, medical-related, so that's it. People who want to buy a business are mm-hmm. generally looking to expand their horizons and get out of the corporate rat race yeah. and move on to something that's a little more fun or, and sometimes even build a legacy for their family. So all numbers of reasons uh, for buying a business, are, and all of them are good, honestly. If, if you find something you really like to do, it's not really a job, it's mm-hmm. it's. it's it's a real profession. Yeah, makes sense. So let's get back to price or value. So how do you determine price or value on a business? Well, I use a proprietary pricing model that I've used now for 15 years to determine the seller's discretionary value or of, of the business. And what that means is basically it's the profitability of the business with all the addbacks like the owner's salary and, and the perks that, that he normally would pay for out of the business that really should be added back in. Once I have that seller's discretionary earning figure or the SDE, I use a multiple that's geared for that particular type of business. Uh, some businesses, the multiple would be as little as one, mm-hmm. and for some, it could be as high as 10. So with that multiple, um, we make that calculation that then becomes the value that we list it for. So should anyone buy or sell a business themselves? Um, I, I would yeah. imagine not using a broker could possibly be a pretty big mistake. Well, in the case we talked about a little earlier where the owner was going to sell his business for 100000 and would have been quite happy to do that, he would have left $125,000 on the Good table. Point. So, yeah, you can definitely sell a business without a broker, um, but you have to be willing to take all that time uh, to get the business ready for sale, market it, entertain buyer requests, qualify buyers, negotiate the price and terms, and then get it closed. And that's mm-hmm. that's quite a process that you, you have to add to what you're doing day to day. 
So in most cases, it's, it's just a lot easier to hire a broker to do it for you. Got it. And what about the time for uh, closing? What would be uh, an average or typical time to, uh, once a contract is signed, to actually close in today's market? Oh, that can be, once the contract is signed, it can be fairly short. Uh, it, you know, generally from a few weeks to a month or so. <clears throat> but you have to be, expect that it's going to take three three months to up to a year to actually sell your business from start to finish because okay. the marketing period is very long in a business sale or can be. Okay. And in some cases, it never sells. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, only about 30 to 40 percent of businesses actually sell. Wow. And what about how a seller would find a buyer for their business or how a buyer would find a particular seller if they want that type of business? Well, is there an MLS for uh, businesses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are. Uh, they're not very well known. Uh, there's places like um, Biz by Sell and mm-hmm. Merger Place and, you know, national databases like that. We use all of those. Uh, in, in Washington, you can actually put your business on the MLS. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't show you a lot. Doesn't they? Don't give you a lot of really great numbers, uh, like you'll find in those other listings. Okay. But you know, no matter where you uh, list your business and what you're looking for, make sure you do your due diligence if you're a buyer and that you're actually buying something that has value. Have someone do that value calculation that we talked about earlier for you. And honestly, this is a great place to hire a broker, if nothing more, than just consult with them to do that. That work for you so that yeah. you know you're buying something that has value. Well, and I'm uh, anybody here that's a regular listener to the show knows that um, I firmly believe in hiring an expert for anything that we do. I mean, there's just too many things that change, and I couldn't even imagine, um, you know, purchasing a business uh, on your own. It's not something that you definitely do every day. Now, what about uh, purchasing under an LLC or corporation? Well, you can still buy those. Uh, the purchase uh, is a little different. Uh, in that you're buying the entity, um, in that at, in, in most cases uh, requires a stock sale. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying a corporation, you're actually buying the stock of the corporation and keeping that corporation intact. An LLC is a little bit differently. In most cases, an LLC will just will cease to exist, and the new owner will start a new LLC and just buy the assets from the old one. But it, it can be done. Uh, if you're going to do that, you almost always have to have an attorney who specializes in those matters to handle it for you. And what about uh, including real property in the sale or purchase of the business? Yes, you definitely can include real property at, as a part of the sale. The property is generally transferred in a separate transfer that will close at the same time as a business transfer. The two transfers are linked uh, so that one can't happen without the other. And uh, I'm also licensed to handle real estate, so I can handle that as well. But you just want to make sure that the timing is right, so that when the business transfers, the property transfers with it, and they're not separated by weeks or days. Okay. And who chooses a business sale and handles all of the uh, paperwork, Frank? Well, we use different types of closers. Like I said earlier, if you're using uh, doing a, an LLC or a corporation, you need an attorney who specializes in that arena. But in most cases, we can use a normal title and escrow company that uh-huh. just has to make sure that we get a good bill of sale, that the uh, all the environmental stuff is taken care of, and it's all wrapped up in one nice package. And there are a few folks who work for different title and escrow companies that can handle those for us. So outside of title and escrow, uh, Frank, Frank, who are the other uh, big players in the team process for you? Well, if you need financing, obviously the bank's the biggest player. They're going to make sure everything's done properly and that that all the environmental is taken care of and the inspections are done, obviously. 
Uh, and they're not going to loan on on something that doesn't have real value. Mm-hmm. Uh, same as, as in a residential deal. But um, you know, it's it's different. There's also different experts. Like if you had a, we're buying a company with a lot of inventory, say mm-hmm. a convenience store or something like that. You want to hire someone who does that for you, so you you're not in there counting each item over the course of a week. They come in for a couple of hours and do it all for you. Okay. So, Frank, how do you advise your sellers to add value to their business, and when can they learn more about the process of selling or buying? Well, I always recommend a focused value-building approach using a tried-and-tested methodology like the ones you find at, at my other site, PacificNorthwestAdvisors.com. Um, you, can refer, request, you can also request a free copy of my book, Selling My Business, or you can contact me for a free consultation or just give me a call at my uh, phone number, 425-442-6293, or, an, or shoot me an email at info at Pacific Northwest Advisors. Perfect. And, and as always, if you want to get a hold of any of my guests that I have in studio, you can go directly to uh, my website. and They'll have all their contact information or call the show. Now, Frank, what is the biggest issue that you see that comes up during uh, a business transaction? The, business, the biggest issue is, is that the seller is reporting uh, or passes out information that's not entirely correct. In other words, the sales are off or um, they have, uh, they're paying an employee that's really not an employee, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The other things are, it, in so certain companies, are environmental issues that have been dormant for a while and now are found during phase one wow. have to be, and have to be taken care of. So is there somebody like an, uh, an, ins- an inspector, like you have a home inspector goes in there and looks for issues or the property. Is there someone like an, an inspector or somebody that comes in and, and looks at the whole business and makes sure, I'm sure with your CPA and, and all of those different people, but to make sure that you're protected? Well, depending on the business, you want to hire the right, right professionals. Um, for example, just to do a phase one environmental, you have to hire someone who's certified in doing those things. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you, you, the, the buyer, as a part of his due diligence and feasibility study, has to do that. Yeah. It could be as, as uh, simple as just making sure your, your business is not going to be located in a floodplain, that you don't have to pay exorbitant uh, flood insurance sure. prices. What about some potential deal breakers? Oh, like I said earlier, it's, uh, the deal breakers uh, are primarily things that are reported in the listing or that the seller uh, says that <clears throat> are not necessarily true. And and the other one is the fact that the business just isn't worth what what is reported. Yeah. So that happens all the time. Uh, another thing too is that during a feasibility study, once we really get down to the nitty gritty, the buyer decides that you know this really isn't a business for me, uh-huh. and and maybe a spouse or another family member comes joins in and says, we really just don't want to do this. So I don't that, want you that, working all those hours. I want you to spend time at home with the kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because you do have a second marriage with a business. Yes. Uh, what about, is it typical or do you see where when someone comes in and purchases a, a business that maybe they've contracted the owner to stick around and to help with the transition? Well, we always build in a transition period from a couple of weeks to 30 days or so. But in a lot of cases, um, I advise new owners to new buyers to take on the old owner for up to a year okay uh, as it, there are certain rules with that the sba for example won't let an old owner stay on for more than a year in, in a, a business that's sba financed but if you can keep the new owner around and he's yeah. actually providing a great service for you 
whether it's uh, on a, an employment basis or mm-hmm. as a consulting basis, it really does make sense. And I think just at you know, just if you've got employees, just for that point to have the transition into the new ownership with the uh, uh, the employees. I've worked with companies that that hasn't been the case versus has, and it's a lot easier uh, process and lose a lot less people. Now, what about uh, any of my listeners that are listening today that are considering uh, buying? What should they think about before, you know, to determine whether this makes sense for them? Now, we always talk, we already talked about the, you know, being a second spouse and really having to commit the time. What other things should they be considering if this is going to be something that's right for them? Well, you have to do a lot of soul searching. And is this something I really want to do? Um, can Can I actually devote the time and effort, money? Um, and resources to to make this happen for mm-hmm. me. So in the beginning, bef- before you go out and, and say, I want that business, you really do have to, to get some really good advice from people you trust and yeah. family members to make sure it is something you really want to do. So, Frank, in, in residential or in real estate, as you know, there are certain times of the year that are better for, you know, buying and selling property. What about businesses? Are I, I guess it may make a difference on what type of business it is, but are there better times during the year to sell and buy? Well, from a seller's aspect, uh, generally right at the end of the year, especially if you take a big down payment um, at the end of the year, you can carry some of that gain into the next year, and it helps a little bit for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. But from a buyer's standpoint, um, you always want to buy prior to the peak season if you can and you know most Makes business sense. most businesses have uh, peak season cycles so if you can hit it just before that that's great so like a ski resort you want to ride by by right before the snow comes yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what about most common uh, contingencies or you know like in a I'm just trying to compare with a typical real estate transaction are there contingencies within the contract that are common oh sure it's it's actually the same contingencies that you would see in a real estate contract. Okay. Financing, feasibility. <clears throat> um, and, and honestly, we always put in a 30-day out. So if, if within 30 days, it just doesn't, it's not going to work for them, they can out on that as well. Got it. So I'm very conscientious about making sure that a buyer can extract himself from a deal mm-hmm. if, for example, it's not the right opportunity for them. Okay. So, Frank, if somebody is thinking uh, just in the very beginning stages of thinking about maybe purchasing a business, not really sure what kind of business, what they want to do, um, and they come to you and say, you know, can you be out there looking for some great opportunities and deal? Do you kind of put things together and have uh, properties and, and businesses ready to place with people? Well, I can do that with franchises. Okay. Um, certainly. Um, we have a whole gamut of franchises that we can we can look at. And in many cases, that's the best option for someone who hasn't been in business before. Is to purchase in a franchise. Yeah. Uh, because it really is a cookie cutter yep. um, uh, operation. Uh, I hear it's quite a process to uh, purchase a McDonald's. Yeah. Well, there are not <laughs> many of those for sale either. So. Yeah. <laughs> but. But, you know, mm. if, if you're buying a, a small franchise, generally they're very well laid out. Uh-huh. Um, they have all the, all the, the operational and um, all the things that you really need to get that business up and running, they have in place. So if, if you don't know what you want to do, if you're not looking at a specific business, I would mm-hmm. certainly say look at a franchise model. So what would, be a, uh, what would be your suggestion? If I was thinking about buying a business, which I'm not, but if I was thinking... Uh, what what type of uh, franchises in our in our area here? Well, like I said, I have a, a new franchise coming on that is a health related franchise, weight loss. Uh, okay. Uh, 
basically a spa franchise. Oh, and spa I'm, sounds nice. And I actually have, we have a, uh, a master franchise opportunity for that in Washington. So, okay. So with a master franchise, obviously you're, you're operating your franchise, plus you have uh, oversight for a number of others. So Got it. we don't have that, that one available now. Uh, it's go- doing very, very well in California and Arizona, and it's moving its way up the coast as, as we speak. So, again, if you want any information uh, and to uh, talk with Frank directly, you can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or go online at com. Uh, Frank, i got to wrap things up here, but any last uh, final comment you'd like to make to, our, to my listeners before I take us to break? Well, just for sellers, I'd like to say if you're considering selling, try to look a year down, down the path. Make sure that you're putting your ducks in a row now in order to get ready to sell a year, 18 months down the road, because you want to put your best foot forward, just like you would in a house. You yes. want to make sure it's ready to sell. Same with your business. You want to make sure it's prepped and ready to sell before you actually put it on the market. Great advice. Frank, thank you so much. It was uh, it was a lot of fun having a conversation with you about uh, purchasing and, and selling businesses. I appreciate you coming in and, and sharing your expertise with my listeners. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Coming up next on the Money Hour, are you relocating with your company to Seattle or just moving here for a great job opportunity? Barry Bergner with Real Logics at Sotheby's International Realty right here at 1150 AM, KKNW after this short break. When you were a little kid and you thought about what you wanted to be, teaching was at the top of your list. But things changed. And as you got older, teaching didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you're thinking you'll be something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Now you want to be a doctor. You don't think teachers save lives? 25 at a time. An actress? Try playing a different role every time the bell rings. How about a scientist? Ever heard of physics, chemistry? Who do you think teaches that? Teachers today are breaking down obstacles, finding innovative ways to instill old lessons, and taking learning far beyond the four walls of the classroom. It's time to recognize that great things are happening in teaching and put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. You can help a friend or family member receive a free wheelchair ramp by contacting the Master Builders Association at 1-800-522-2209 or visit Rampathon.org to apply. This is the Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. On Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. 
Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, January 2nd show. I provide you the news on everything money, fresh information on market trends and conditions in our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To talk with the guests that I have in studio, you can call the show at one 855 411 Again, it's one 855 411 or online at themoneyr.com. And in studio right now, I'm having a conversation with Barry Bergner with RealLogic's Sotheby's International Realty, and we're going to talk about relocation. Barry, thank you so much for joining me in studio today. Uh, Happy New Year, and thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you, too. I know I'm excited for a great uh, 2016 that we're going to have here. A little bit about Barry. Uh, Barry has 13 years real estate experience and voted best in client satisfaction as published in Seattle Magazine every year since 2005. He's a certified negotiation expert, certified residential specialist, uh, has his green roll tour designation and accredited staging professional. And again, we're going to be talking today about relocation and our our employment uh, opportunities here uh, in in the Seattle uh, area are just unbelievable. And I, I know I personally I do a lot of financing for people that are coming in and relocating. Uh, a lot of stuff happening with Amazon. Um, and so when did you s- start your real estate uh, career, Barry? I started in 2002, got my license in 2002, and uh, specialized in residential real estate. Mm-hmm. And what brokerage um, you currently work with again? Again, I'm working with Realogic Sotheby's International Realty. I moved over there in 2013. Uh, uh-huh. Tremendous, fast-growing company. I was just going to say they're having a lot, uh, a lot of growth right now, and I've had uh, a few uh, recently in studio. So it's exciting to see what you guys are doing there. And and tell me what sets um, you aside as far as uh, the brokerage and what you guys are doing differently. You know, Realogics, uh, they are really a publishing company uh, as well mm-hmm. as a real estate company. I mean, they, they have marketing opportunities that uh, most companies don't have exclusive opportunities. We have exclusive opportunities with the Puget Sound Business Journal. Uh-huh. Um, and the principals of the company, Dean and Stacy Jones, um, are marketing mavens, and they're constantly coming up with new marketing opportunities uh-huh. uh, that no other company has. And that's a huge benefit, especially for anybody that's thinking of selling their uh, property, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. not that you guys um, don't work with buyers because you do, but you know, really being able to set yourself aside on the marketing and the, uh, what they're doing for you on the seller side is, is uh, fantastic. So do you uh, work on your own, uh, Barry, or do you work with a team? I have a partner, Enrico Pozzo, and in 2013, we, we uh, decided to partner together. We should have brought him in studio. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> we started to uh, we started both at the same time in the same brokerage right around 2002. Okay. And uh, we think it's a real benefit for uh, our clients. We yeah. you know we collaborate. We both have different strengths and and weaknesses. And um, there's always coverage. You know, if one of us is on vacation, if mm-hmm. one of us is busy with another client, we've always got somebody there to to uh, help the client. I think those are all important. You know, you're only one person, so you can only do so much. 
both of you, as you said, are going to have strengths and weaknesses and really being able to communicate and talk things out with the two of you. And a partnership is, I mean, we all have uh, co-workers and people that we talk with, but it's different when you have a partnership because you're vested in each other's success. And so you're really working together as that team to provide uh, the best service that you can for your clients. So how in what ways does that benefit your buyers and sellers, Barry? Well, again, there's a lot of, this is a challenging market. An interesting question that we always get uh, is uh, so the market's good and you know you, well good for who you know in the past year it's been great for sellers it's been difficult for buyers and uh-huh. there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy in the marketplace and and trying to purchase homes and multiple offers yes. and and in real estate there's always issues and things that come up that uh, you've never you've never experienced before and uh-huh. so to have somebody you know to, to uh, help you strategize give you a different perspective you know it, it's it's uh, uh, definitely beneficial to the to the client. Yeah, and I, I tell my buyers uh, represent the representation that you choose for uh, your realtor on on buyer or seller side is so important, especially for the buyers because of the multiple offer scenarios. Really, just being able to, as you said, strategize and come up with a, a really strong plan to present the best offer. So, what about areas that uh, that you work in, Barry? Well, I'm not uh, I'm not a neighborhood specialist. I've worked. Okay. I've worked. All over King County, I've worked into North Pierce County occasionally, and worked into South Snohomish County, uh-huh. um, and that actually works very well for clients relocating into the region that uh-huh. that are not familiar with the area at all. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable. Um, South King County, East Side, Seattle, and uh, can uh, speak to clients about the differences in the communities. Perfect. What about buyers and sellers? What's the um, what's your percentage as far as what you're working with buyers versus sellers? It's probably you know, 60, 40, 60 percent okay. buyers, 40 percent okay. sellers. But that changes from year to year. Of course. You so know. you put a strong focus on on both of them. Yeah. And we think that's, you know, it's very uh, important to understand what's mm-hmm. going on on both sides. Yes. Um, you know, when you're, a, when you're a buyer, it helps to be able to think like a seller, to be mm-hmm. able to, uh, to know what a seller is thinking, to be uh-huh. able to strategize and, again, you know, write an offer that uh, is, is likely to be accepted. Yes. And so we're talking about relocation. So let's talk about um, you personally, yourself, working with buyers that are moving into our area here from uh, another, another state. Yeah, so there, there's going to be two types of, uh, basically two types of buyers moving in. There'll be company relocations uh-huh. where they have relocation benefits, and then there'll just be people moving in for a number of different reasons. Um, and one of the recent phenomena is that people are actually moving to Seattle for the weather. I know, um, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I yeah, love it. Yeah, so um, anyway, and there, and there are different scenarios, but... The biggest issue is uh, most people aren't aren't familiar with the area, and oftentimes, especially if they're moving for work, they haven't had time to explore an area. They don't they don't you know they don't certainly don't know the neighborhoods, yes. and they're under a lot of pressure to 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 move quickly, and that can be really challenging for. It can be uh, challenging. It can be an expensive mistake if you um, if you don't allow the 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 time and and. Uh, have the resources to get the information that you need. Exactly, exactly. What about uh, for you in representing 
our local buyers here and purchasing real estate, as well as representing, as we're talking about, people that are coming in uh, to our market, new to the area. What's the difference for you in those two different uh, buyers? There's a lot more. So you're always going to do a buyer intake uh-huh. uh, interview with your with your clients. And with a buyer coming in from out of the region, there's a lot more... Uh, going on somebody that somebody that's always here already here you know typically they know where they want to live or what area they want to live in um, and they have a much better idea of what the market conditions are somebody coming in from out of state there's a lot more that they need to know they need to know and, and a lot of that comes out in the, in the interview we need to know what's important to them or schools mm-hmm. do they have a family do they have children or schools important to them commute um, you know, if I get somebody that says, hey, I want a 3,000 square foot home and half an acre within 15 minutes of Seattle, yeah. and we know there's uh, an education, uh, you know, different market uh, conditions and what they're... A little bit of what, a reality what, check, maybe. What they're used to. Yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I always insist on doing is a an air, what I'd call an area tour, which is just to, you know, has nothing to do with looking at homes. It's just driving around, taking the, mm. taking the client through the neighborhoods, you know, showing them Ballard, showing them downtown Kirkland, Bellevue, and then talking to talking to them about uh, you know the lifestyle in each community. Sure, and I would imagine too, in, in preparation for when they're here, is really being able to uh, to plan out and make sure that you've got time, um, everything that you're going to do while you're in the area. Um, cause it's not like you're here every day exactly. and really having a, a strategic plan on when you're going to get things done. Yeah. Lots of times they're here on company time and uh-huh. they've got appointments that they've, they've, uh, got to have to be scheduled around. And yeah. so, yeah, it is important to make sure, you know, I want the, I want the experience to take care of their needs and yes. to, you know, make sure that they get what they need. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it's looking at homes and looking at homes in certain neighborhoods, great. Uh, again, I always want to do that, that, uh, uh, area tour if mm-hmm. possible. And there's a lot of communication in there. You know, sure. there's a lot of questions that you, you know, you get answered and, and, uh, helps you be able to, to point them in the right direction. And sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sometimes purchasing right away isn't the isn't the best solution, and and you know renting for certain certain clients is is a better option Im- yeah. immediately, so they can you know you're talking about spending a lot of money mm-hmm. and uh, to get tied in somewhere where uh, is not the best fit for you can be can be a real. Uh, uh, difficult situation for, yeah, and even, for a buyer. And even more so for uh, people relocating. I mean, they're dealing with the same challenge of lack of inventory as well. So I'm sure you're running into a lot of that to where they're just, there is not something available in the area that they, you know, they need to be. So they don't have no other option but to come here and rent. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And renting is difficult too. But Yes. That's um, true. <laughs> getting yeah. housing here is just a challenge no matter how you look at it. Well, Seattle Times, September or December 4th issue, Seattle Times says 6,000 people a month in, in 2015 uh, took up residence in, in King County, wow. which is a lot of people. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, what about if uh, somebody's relocating and uh, working through a relocation company uh, uh, with their employer? Do they typically get to choose who they want to work with as far as representation for uh, their role tour and for their uh, their lender, or is the company require the, them to work with their people? Most relocation companies have real estate brokerages that they mm-hmm. have 
that they have agreements with, and typically they're getting they're getting pointed towards one of. But those is it kind of like a builder? Program. They can choose to work with um, their people, or they can choose. They're highly encouraged, but they've got an option to choose most uh, of the time, or no. Well, they they can. The uh, relocation company may have uh, again agreements with and, and financial agreements with companies that, Got that it. they get forced with. But sometimes, if if uh, another broker, if there's a broker that they want to work with, and that broker will agree to whatever terms the uh, relocation company has, okay. the relocation company may uh, allow them to work with uh, that broker. Got it. So, are you seeing in in a uh, high percentage of uh, relocation is the companies that are going through relo- have relocation packages to where they're actually taking care of their existing mortgage payment. Or are you finding that um, they can buy without going contingent? What's happening there? What I've seen and experienced is that that they will most often have to sell their home if they have to. They have to sell a home. Mm-hmm. That once they get into a contract, then the relocation company will will release their money early. So instead of having Got to wait it. until closing, they'll get their money earlier. So that will help them be able to uh, purchase uh, in the in the new area. It is uh, buying contingent is totally. Uh, dependent, dependent, on, <laughs> dependent on market conditions. Yes, of and course. And the current market d- conditions where inventory is so low, contingent offers are very, very difficult. A home, yeah. a home would have to be on the market for quite a bit of time, yep. uh, most, uh, most likely for a seller to consider a, accepting a contingent offer. Yeah. So it might be a good idea, you know, before accepting a relocation package with your company, if you're, you know, listening right now in this process, um, you know, reach out and talk to our uh, local uh, representative. And if you're listening to the show online, you're moving here to Seattle. I've got one right in studio here and find out some of the questions and things that you need to be looking at through your relocation package to make sure that everything is set up the way um, you need it to be to be most successful. And and if not, at least you're planning ahead what you need to do. Um, in mistakes that common mistakes that you see, because relocating uh, to an area versus just being local and, and moving neighborhoods, completely different process. What are some of the common mistakes that you see buyers making in this transition? Yeah. Um, and how do they avoid them? Probably first is moving too quickly and not getting all the information that, that you need. It, um, it's important again. You're you're spending a lot of money. It's important to be where you you know in a, in an area that fits your fits your home or fits your lifestyle, and moving too quickly um, can uh, again put you in a situation that uh, you may not be able to get out of for a, for a few years. Got it. So Barry, um, working with a realtor. In in any um, situation, there's areas of expertise that might be important depending on what your uh, what you're needing. And in this situation, we're talking about relocation. How is in, how important for a buyer that's going through uh, a relocation to work with a, a realtor that that has expertise in this arena? And what things would set you aside from a traditional? Uh, broker that's not working with relocation clients on a regular basis. I, I think 
one of the biggest things again is getting a broker that knows the region. Um, mm-hmm. You know, somebody specializing just in condominiums in Seattle—that's great. If you know you want to live in a condominium in Seattle, um, if you don't, then uh, you need you need really need somebody with some uh, broad broad expertise, some broad knowledge of the of the area. Uh-huh. Um, I think the broker needs to have more patience. They need to have uh, empathy. They need to understand what the what the uh, buyer is going through. Yes. All this, all the stresses. You know, they've got uh, often they have families. Kids to move. don't want to move to another state. They want to stay where they're at. Yep. And yeah. again, they're under a lot of pressure. They're mm-hmm. very busy. And yeah. in this in this marketplace, that's very frenetic. It 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 creates additional stress Um, and you know when somebody comes into the marketplace and you're telling them well you know you've got to you've got to look at this home today and then you've got to then you've got to make an offer tonight Um, very very stressful very difficult and and not always the best uh, uh, not always the best advice. Yes. Now we talked about mistakes, common mistakes that happen. Uh, I'm sure there's some common challenges and uh, that people are dealing with there when they're relocating, maybe challenges of uh, what their expectations are or challenges that come into the process they're not prepared for. What would be some typical challenges uh, that are special to their uh, process? Well, there is no, there is no national real estate market. Every market is, yes. is unique. Every neighborhood is unique. Uh, the, 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 the market for Queen Anne is different than the market for West Seattle. And so certainly the market in Arkansas is going to be different than the market in Seattle. And uh, the expectations, uh, you know, in your marketplace, uh, you know, in our marketplace in Arkansas, where maybe Mm -hmm. the average market time is 180 days coming to Seattle, where the market time is average market time might be 15 days. Uh You know, that's a huge, that's a huge difference. And it's important to uh, uh, set your expectations, uh, realistic expectations. So you need to understand the market conditions that you're moving, that you're moving Mm -hmm. into. Um, And it's good to know that up front. So just like everything that else we talk about is, is preparation, you know, so find out what for upfront things that you need to know, um, things are going to be different in this market versus your market. Now, uh, what about questions and things that um, uh, they should be asking them, asking themselves of what's that they should be looking at and considering um, the Seattle market? You have well, a list of questions that they should be thinking about? Sure. I mean, I would, I would. If I were moving to Seattle or another market, I wouldn't want to know. I would want to know the overall uh, landscape of, of mm-hmm. real estate. You know what's what's happening. Is it is is people moving into the area? People not you know moving out of the area. What's going on with home prices? Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, I, I'd also want to understand the local real estate contract. Real estate contracts are different, oh, great point. different in in every uh, every area. Sometimes so. people are surprised that they 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 don't sign on closing. You know, I mean, that's surprising to people. They're used to just signing and closing same day. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Some some places attorneys handle the, yes. the yep. contracts and the, and the closings. All of that's mm-hmm. uh, you know, in order to feel comfortable when the time comes to write an offer, which yeah. is. Another stress, um, you know, the more you know up front and the more comfortable you are with the contract, yep. uh, the better it is for you. Uh, a good lender, 
is mm-hmm. is important, and often a local lender um, rather than uh, a lender that they may be familiar with. They may have a bank account. Yes, uh, I know in our in our marketplace, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with multiple offers, often uh, the lender that you're using can mm-hmm. make can, or break it. Can be a be a real issue and yep. can be a deciding factor yes. as to who gets who gets the. Uh, who gets the uh, the contract? Yeah, who good gets, point, Barry. I tell my clients that every day. It's that you know the loan officer, the mortgage professional on that pre-approval letter can make or break based on their local reputa- reputation. Barry, thank you so much for joining me in studio. I had a great, con- great conversation with you, and excited to have you back in studio. And we'll have to partner up and and uh, get the entire team in here. Great, would love to do it. Perfect. This is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Cheers to a new year, and it's never too late to plan for the best financial year yet. So we're, we're there. We're in year 2016. So use myself and the show as a resource. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and I look forward to talking more money next Saturday right here on 1150 AM KKNW. The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.